Good afternoon. Enjoyed uh, uh, <clears throat> the soup and uh, soup and sandwiches. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the, the the soup the soup and sandwiches, and uh, enjoyed uh, also the fellowship too that we're able to have a little bit and being able to see see if some of the people. Uh, during the time of uh, eating, and then a little bit of the afterwards too, uh, in between the services, and and uh, just glad that we were able to have uh, this uh, this Lord's Day with all of you. And uh, as always, it seems like it goes by too quick, too fast. And uh, I think sometimes we can even think the same thing with the Lord's Day as well. Uh, so many times the Lord's Day goes by too quickly. And if we're not always careful, sometimes our life goes by too quickly too, doesn't it? Uh, the Lord, uh, Lord wants us to be able to, uh, to take, ad- take advantage of, of uh, each and every day and each and every opportunity. And I'm just glad that we're able to uh, spend uh, this uh, Sunday with uh, all of you. And to once again continue to thank you uh, for, your, uh, for your support for us as well over all these years. And uh, all that... All that video, the video presentation that you saw there, uh, that, you know, your church was a part of being able to make that possible and to being able to allow us to be able to go down there and be and be missionaries and to be about that church planting. And uh, we're just uh, uh, honored, feel honored to be able to to be chosen of the Lord, to be able to be a part, to be a part of that. And uh, pray that the Lord will continue to uh, continue to bless as we go and continue to reach uh, other souls for Christ, and begin to be able to see that uh, begin to be able to see that work uh, being being finished up, and uh, so we're very uh, thankful for what the Lord is, and and I'll uh, like to be able to uh, uh, tell you just a little bit a uh, little bit more uh, of uh, of the ministry, kind of give you a, a few more details than what you were able to see in just the video presentation, uh, but I'd like to be able to do that right before right before our question and answer time. And so, at this time, let's uh, uh, let's go into God's Word and uh, have a challenge here uh, this afternoon. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter fourteen. Matthew chapter fourteen, and we're actually going to be skipping right into the middle of the chapter, kind of in so many ways into the middle of a story. Although it's not really jumping into the middle of the story, because there's actually two different stories that, that happen. And we, I just mentioned how, how quickly this day has gone by, right? You, you, you go from the Sunday school and into the, into the uh, Sunday morning, and then you go right into the time of uh, fellowship, for eating lunch, and now the, the afternoon service. And, and so many times uh, the, the, the day does go by so quickly. The interesting thing about this is that we're jumping in this story right here. We're jumping right into the middle or almost at the end of the day. If you have all of those little uh, uh, titles at the top of your chapter, you might be able to see what, what actually happens. What actually happens right here. We're able to see the feeding of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, was that a big day? Yeah. You think? Wow. I mean, Jesus teaches all day long. He teaches all day long, and then all of a sudden, 
you know, the disciples aren't really sure how the day is going to finish up. And then all of a sudden, Jesus decides to do this huge miracle. And miracle or not, you know, the people that were preparing, you know, the people that were preparing for the meal that we just had would say, it takes a long time to prepare. But just think about even just the feeding of 5,000. And 5,000 plus. And this, and, you know, this is just a, they're trying to, they're trying to, to understand this miracle, the disciples are. And then all of a sudden, when they're thinking that the day is just about over, Jesus is actually thinking, you know what? I think there's time for one more lesson. I think there's time for just one more thing that I'd like to be able to teach the disciples. There's just one more event that we still need to be able to fit in here. And that's where we jump into the middle of this story. And it starts right over here in verse, in verse 22. It says right there in verse 21, if you just want to grab the context, it says, And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. And then in verse 22 it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Let's bow in a word of prayer uh, before we begin. Once again, Lord, we just thank you for uh, the beauty of this day and the beauty of our Savior and the beauty of your word. Lord, I pray that you would just help us as we do open it up once again. And as we look into your word, that you would also uh, just uh, teach us uh, one more truth as well. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we read that verse real quick of verse 22. But it's... It's not really the norm. It wasn't the normal thing that usually happened right here. Right here in verse 22, it says, what, does, what does Jesus do after the feeding of the, uh, of the 5,000 in verse 22? What does he do? He puts the disciples where? On a ship. And then what does he basically do? Right? Shoves them off. Right? Sends them off. And Jesus doesn't get into the boat with them. Now that was not normal. Basically, generally, Jesus was almost always traveling with the disciples. There was obviously the time when he would send out the disciples. But in general, Jesus was usually with them. And, and that was usually the case. But there in verse 22, Jesus does not do this. He puts them on a boat and shoves them off doesn't even really make a lot of logistical sense either. What do you think the disciples are kind of thinking at that point? Okay, well, how are we coming back together again? Are you going to meet us on the other side, Jesus? Are you walking around? Are you going to take another bow? All kinds of open-ended questions right here in this situation. Probably like most times, they just didn't really dare to ask Jesus. Jesus sends them off. Then look at verse 23. Verses 23 and verse 24. We see two different scenes. Verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, when we look at just these two verses... What's the setting like in verse, in verse 23? What kind of a setting do we see? 
It's a quiet one, right? It's, it's, it's peaceful. And, and that might have been one of the reasons why Jesus sent his disciples away. He wanted a little bit of that, that moment with his father. Jesus, he's up on the mountain. He's alone. And he's praying. It's a very peaceful scene. How about verse 24? What's that scene like? Just the opposite, right? It's not a peaceful scene. It's a difficult scene. They're scared. They're being tossed in the middle of the sea. The disciples are literally scared for their very lives. It is not an easy situation that they find themselves in. And it's not too hard. You don't have to use too much of your imagination to begin to imagine what some of the disciples might have been asking at that moment. What do you think they might have been asking? Sometimes the same thing that we ask when we find ourselves in difficulties. Where? Where's Jesus? Where's the Lord? I mean, they might have even gone even to another, maybe even an extra extent, and and even said, wow, Jesus picked a really good time not to be in the boat. Right when we were going to hit the storm. And in so many ways, we can imagine them even just just second-guessing, Lord, why aren't you here for this? Jesus, why aren't you here on the boat right now? Now, did Jesus know what was going on? Yeah, he did. Actually, it was all part of his plan. It was all part of his plan. Now, the disciples could have maybe, or should have even, thought Jesus knows all this is going on. They'd already seen him do some very miraculous things. They'd just seen him do something pretty, pretty special right here with the feeding of the 5,000. But all of a sudden, they're all enveloped into this This difficult situation. The wind, they're right in the middle of the ocean. They're right in the middle of the sea. Then all of a sudden we see right here in verse 25. It says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they they were what? They were troubled. Saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for what? For fear. They cried out in fear. Now, the disciples, all of a sudden Jesus is walking literally on the water. They're scared for their very lives. They're very scared. We understand that. And then all of a sudden we see Jesus coming. And who do they think it is? Or what do they think it is? They think it's a spirit. It almost seems like they might have been reverting back to their old fisherman ways and thinking, oh wow, it's the the spirits that are coming to take us away. We really are going to die. And they actually are scared, thinking that it is a a spirit. They're crying out for fear. But can I ask also another obvious question? Who could they have thought that it was? Who could they have thought that it was? Could they have not thought that it was Jesus? Could they have not thought for just a second, I wonder if that is Jesus coming walking on the water? You see, 
the disciples in the middle of that boat, as, as those waves were crashing around and all of those things were happening at the same time, they were not even looking for Jesus. They were not looking for Jesus even in the middle of the turmoil, even in the middle of the problem. And even when Jesus actually walks on the water and arrives on the scene, what happens? They don't even recognize him. They don't even recognize him. They don't even recognize that it is Jesus. And it's so important for us as Christians to be able to realize that that can happen to us. In our everyday lives, everything, as we get so entranced by all of the different things that are happening in our life, whether it might be difficult things, whether it might be fearful things, or whether it might be just the cares of today, just the monotony of the day, so many times we can forget that Jesus is a part of the situation. Was Jesus in the boat before? No, he wasn't, but could he still have taken care of the situation without being in the boat? Yes, he could have. And in so many times when we don't even necessarily see or literally see or feel that Jesus is in the situation, we know doctrinally that he is there. And we know that he does have the power to take care of that situation. And we need to be looking to him. We need to be looking to him to be able to be a part of every situation of our life. The disciples didn't even recognize him. He walked onto the scene and they didn't see him. Finally, he has to speak. Verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. In so many ways, this little, this little part of the story is very similar to what we were talking about even here this morning with Joseph and the idea of being willing, to, being willing to not be controlled by the circumstances and not living in fear. All of a sudden, Jesus' first words, they don't even know it's Jesus yet, but Jesus all of a sudden tells them to do what? He says, be of good cheer. What's he asking them to do? Be content, be calm, be happy. Now, did the circumstances, did that really fit with the circumstances? It didn't. But that's what being a Christian is all about. That's what being a Christian, what being a Christian is all about. And the fact that even when we are in difficult situations, we still shine Jesus Christ. We still need to be able to be content in whatsoever state we are. As the Apostle Paul says... And Jesus says literally right there, be happy. And then he gives the answer why. Why do they need to be content? He says a little phrase, it is I. What's he saying? I'm here. Exactly. I'm here. I've arrived. I'm on the scene. You don't need to be, you don't need to be scared. And then that's how he finishes it off. Be not afraid. It goes right back to what we were talking about even, even this morning in, in, uh, in Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't be scared. Why? Because God is with me. The shepherd's there. And it's the same thing in this situation. Jesus is saying to the disciples, you don't need, you can be, you can be calm. 
Don't worry about all the stuff that's happening all around you. Stay focused on me. And if you stay focused on me, all of those worries are going to go away. And then who opens his mouth? You don't even really need to know the story, right? It really fits for any of the stories. Peter, he's always ready to open his mouth. But, don't be too hard on him. Because what Peter says next is pretty special. It's pretty powerful. We just remember that he sinks a little later on, right? But what he says right here is pretty neat. Look at verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I don't know about you, but I just get goosebumps when I just hear that phrase. Peter literally said, Jesus, if that's you, ask me to walk on the water. He literally believed that if Jesus wanted him to walk on the water, he could. If Jesus wanted him to walk on the water, he could do it. That was a lot of faith. He was saying that Jesus really was the Son of God. He was saying that Jesus was the all-powerful. Not only could Jesus walk on the water, but he knew that if Jesus wanted him to, he could do it. Now stop and just take that into consideration. When God asks us to do different things, teach a Sunday school, go out on a visit, give the gospel to somebody that we're working, working with tomorrow, whatever the thing may be that God asks us to do, what's usually our natural re- response? Oh, Lord, I don't really, you know, am I really the right person for the job? I'm not really that talented in that area. I don't, I don't know if I have the right words. I'm not sure if I really know all the right verses. And, and we go through all of those different things. Now, do we believe that Jesus could do it? Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, he's Jesus, right? He can do anything. How good was Peter at walking on the water? How good was he at doing that? Terrible, right? But Peter was saying, if God wants me to do it, I can. And any time the Holy Spirit speaks in a still, small voice to you, listen to it and just simply obey. Because if God has said that you can do it, you can do it. Even if it's walking on the water. God has asked us to do many different things. And there's a lot of times where we don't really feel like we're good at it. Or we don't really feel like the Lord would have us to be able to do that. So many times God wants to be able to take us out of our comfort zone. He wants to be able to take us out of the boat. And now, Peter, the same boat that he was clinging on to for dear life... He's now literally stepping out of that boat and he's getting out on purpose. And then what does he do? Don't forget this. Peter does walk on the water. Yes, he does sink, but he does walk on the water. Verse 29. Jesus says what? Come. All right, Peter. (laughs) 
Do it. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he what? Walked on the water to go to Jesus. He was doing it. Unfortunately, the story continues, right? Verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Obviously, we know the the illustration is perfect. It's very applicable in our lives. We've heard the application many different times. But we know that that Peter was able to step out of the boat, literally walk on the water, because he was what? He was focused on Christ. And Christ alone. But then, probably he even knew he wasn't supposed to do it, but he still did it. He what? He noticed the waves. He felt the wind. Maybe even felt a little bit of the splash of the waves on his clothing. All of those different realities became very real and the circumstances started started to eclipse Christ. And he kept he, he took his focus off of Jesus. And then all of a sudden he what? He sinks. He sinks. And we know that we've done that many different times in our lives. We remember those times when we were so focused. So focused on the goal and what we were supposed to be doing. We were focused as, you know, as each day we woke up and said, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And then somewhere down the road, somewhere down that path, we noticed, I took my eyes off of Christ and I started to sink. But well, once again, Peter opens up his mouth and once again, it's the, right, it's the right response. It's the right words. What does he say? Lord, save me. And does Jesus let him flounder there a little bit for a while? Verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand, and he saved him, didn't he? He saved him. He brought him back up onto this top of the sea. It's a beautiful illustration, and first and foremost, it shows us salvation. At any time that we realize we need to be saved, and that Jesus is our only answer, and we call to Him at any time, God will reach down His hand and He'll save us. That's a message for anybody here today that might not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, or is not sure, 100% sure that they're going to heaven. At any time when we accept the fact that we can't get to heaven, unless we put our full trust in Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and call to Him, Jesus will save us today. Jesus can save us at any moment of our life. All we need to do is call out to Him. But it also works on a regular basis for us as Christians. So many times when we begin to fail, we lose our focus and we lose, we lose 
what Christ is asking us to do, we can call out to him and say, Lord, help me back up on my feet again. How many times does that happen in a Christian walk? Sometimes too many, right? Sometimes we get embarrassed because we don't really want to think about how many it is. What's Peter known for? Kind of his failures, isn't he? Kind of. Opening up his mouth and saying, you know, foolish things. But was Peter used by God? Wouldn't we like to at least be like Peter? At least like that? I don't care how many times we've fallen. We can get back up with the help of God and continue on to be able to be used of God. A lot of times we forget what happens. What does Peter get, what does Peter get to do again? What does Peter get to do again? He walks in the water again. He walks in the water. Wherever he was picked back up, they then began to make their way back to the boat. And there's Peter again. He's walking on the water. And why is he walking on the water? Side by side with Jesus. Maybe even hand in hand. After Jesus took that hand and and pulled him back up, maybe he never even let go. That's fine. That's fine. And then we see Jesus and Peter walking back to the boat once again. Verse 32, it says, And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Lesson learned. We're done. Disciples probably thinking, that's good. That was already a long day. That was a long day. The wind was ceased. But it was worth it. Because look what they say in verse 33. Then they that were in the ship. Remember, this isn't just Peter. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And that's neat when we can come to the end of a day and remember that fact. Remember the fact that we do serve the Messiah, the Son of God. One little phrase there that we didn't talk about. Verse 31. It says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Do you think it was easy for Peter to hear that? When, When I read through this, just in a natural reading of the story, I myself actually think at different times, Well, Lord... Wasn't that a little harsh? In the back of your brain, you know that, well, no, I'm not supposed to say that because that's Jesus. But at, at times when you're looking at it, you say, well, isn't that a little harsh? Because I begin to think, and I could ask the same question to all of you that I'd asked to myself, how many of you would have actually gotten out of the boat? How many? How many of the other disciples got out of the boat? None. Just Peter. Little faith, Lord? Now, he didn't say no faith, but he still did say little faith. He tried to walk on the water. And you see, that's where we get it all wrong. You know why? Because I was wanting to compare Peter to who? To others. I'm trying to compare Peter to the disciples. 
I'm trying to compare Peter to, to me or to you. And is that what God wants us to do? No, he doesn't. He wants to compare Peter to himself. He wants to compare us to Christ. Now how is Peter's faith looking? Little. Little. You see, Jesus wanted Peter's faith to grow even that much more. He knew what he wanted to do in Peter's life. And he knew the faith that Peter had right now wasn't good enough. Wasn't enough. It needed to be increased. And no matter where we are at in our walk, no matter how much stuff we have on our plate right now, God is wanting to increase our faith. He's wanting to increase it. He wants it to get that much greater. Because he knows what is down the path. And he knows what he wants to be able to accomplish through our surrendered life. And he wants our faith to be able to grow. And you know what? He challenges Peter all the time. How does Peter do with his faith as we continue to go through the Gospels? It's kind of got that up and down, doesn't it? Sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down. But how much do you guys remember of there and over in Acts? Do you remember Acts? Do you remember Peter's faith then? It was pretty strong. It was pretty amazing. As Peter began to be used in the hand of God, as he preached in Pentecost, and 3,000 people came to know Christ as their Savior. Wow. I love, the, I love one verse right here. You don't need to go there in your Bible. But over in Acts chapter 4 it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had what? Been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. There was no other explanation. It was just like Peter walking on the water. There was no other explanation. It had to be God. And as they were looking at Peter and John preaching with such boldness, even being unlearned and ignorant, man, that basically meant they shouldn't have been good at it. But they still were being used in the hand of God. And they said, you know what? They must have spent time with Jesus. And that applies to us as well today. God has certain tasks that he wants us to be able to do. And many times we give excuses why we can't do something. Instead of saying, Lord, if you want me to walk on the water, I will. I'll try. And I'll trust in you. And as you are willing to get out of that boat, step out of that boat in different ways of your life, God will increase your faith. And he will help you and he will challenge you to be able to make those steps. It's okay if you sink. That's the other good news about it. Even if we do sink, we realize that I can still call out to God and God will help me back up again. And I'll try again. I'll try again. And God wants to be able to use us in a mighty, in a mighty way to be able to reach others for Christ. The key thing is that we need to sometimes just listen to that voice and say, Lord, help me. 
Help me to be able to do that. Help me to be able to step out of the boat. Let's just bow in prayer, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the 